Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. What up, Dog Speak Geeks? We are back after a couple rounds of COVID up in this house. Brett, how you feeling? I'm good. Yeah. You, I, I'm I'm getting there. You're almost you're almost back. You're doing good. Yeah, it's just uh just have I'm just fatigued. That part is just real hard. Well, and you're not very good at resting when you're supposed to. No. So there's that. No. I mean there's that little bit of, you know. I know. My my boss is like, Why get off get off Zoom now? Get off Zoom. Uh, a coworker and I actually got it at the same time uh, on a business trip. Did not get it from Nikki. No. Uh, she had it a couple weeks before I did. Um, and he and I both got yelled at. I for used, both being. I use the term yelled lightly. Uh, she didn't yell at us, but yeah, we we both got in a little bit of trouble for showing up to work. You're such overachievers. <laughs> I thought I was gonna die. So I mean, it's like you know. Oh no, I. I did too. The especially those first two days, man. I just wanted to be left alone and lie in bed with my dog. And yeah, and you did good. You did good, and I took there. care of you as best as you let me. I don't want anyone around me when I'm sick. Well, that's just. Tough. I just you want, shouldn't. Have, you shouldn't have gotten married. That's I just okay. want to to be left alone. Well, I did. I and let your die. I left your ass alone. Whatever. <laughs> I made sure you were still breathing. I'd wear my mask in there to check on you. Wouldn't let you come out of the bedroom until you didn't have a fever for two days. Oh man, that was tough. That was so. You know, that was tough. Anyway, sorry about that. Back at it. But we're back at it. Yeah. Um, and sorry, we're a couple of days. We, we're normally. I really want to try to get these out on Tuesdays. Seems like the last few times it's been Thursdays. Yeah, but you say that every time. I know. Hey, it's going to be a Tuesday or Thursday. How's that? Yeah. Sweet. So it is a Thursday. So we hope that you are um, having a good day and, a, and you've had a great week. And uh, I know that you uh, heard the ad before the episode on a reactive dog workshop. Uh, super excited. Been working 
hard on the presentation aspect of it. Schedule uh, what we're going to be doing. It's going to be a really, I think it's going to be a really good workshop. Um, We've got it set up to where these dogs can actually uh, work and their owners can work without, uh, without too much distraction of the things that cause them to be reactive. So mm-hmm. we're going to have some good barriers set up and uh, we got we got a lot of good things planned. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, so if you're in uh in the Nashville area, um yeah, check out dogspeak101.com/events or you can travel. For yeah, I mean, or if you can travel. Yeah, you can travel. We I have, mean, you know, we're, we have auditor spots so you don't have to bring your dog. Um and then we have six working spots. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it's very limited. Um, So, you know, six working spots and six auditors, that is it. So you'll want to make sure that you sign up very, very soon. So we're excited about it. Uh, But what are we talking about today? Uh, We're, we're talking about whether small dog syndrome is an actual thing. Well, it's, it's not like... It's a disease or, um, you know, something that they were, you know, genetically born with. And it's not that every small dog is going to go through it. But it is a name that is, it's kind of put on a group of symptoms that small dogs typically will suffer from. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm being very careful because I don't like, to incorporate all small dogs with this. And, and I and and I want to be careful because I don't when people a lot of times they say, Oh, does that dog have small dog he's got small dog syndrome or Napoleon complex? And I I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when Myers was a little bit younger and he was small, he would bark at other dogs and um and you know, somebody said, Oh, does he have small dog syndrome? And I was like, No, he's just a puppy. You know, he's just, just learning, <laughs> just learning things and, and figuring things out. And so I just, I say that there are some issues that small dogs will have, uh, pretty common among small dogs based on not the dog itself, but because of what the owners are not doing. Because they're small. Because they're small. Yeah, I think the way I've always sort of looked at it is small dogs get away, tend to get away with a lot more um, because they can be picked up or because they're cute or, you know, their expectations aren't set the way that if you have a larger dog, who's going to pull you while you're walking or could knock somebody down if they jump. So it's, it's like the rules for small dogs, um, are different are sometimes different um, based on, you know, the guardian of the dog. Um, And I think overall they just sort of get to do whatever they want. And so I think, I don't think small dog syndrome is correct in that they feel like they have to compensate for something based on lack of size it's more just their expectations have not been set the same way a large dog's ha- may have been. Yeah, and that that's really one of the big things is, I mean, to be a small dog, uh, obviously it can be challenging of just being in this world. I mean, if you can imagine looking from their perspective. Um, and now being an owner of a small dog for the first time, 
in um, a really, really long time. And, and I'm not even, my first dog really wasn't a small dog. She was short, but she was 32 pounds. So I, I wouldn't consider her a small dog. Myers is a small dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so am I seeing some things with him that a lot of people see with small dog syndrome? <laughs> yeah, uh, the the barking. The excessive barking. I do think a lot of small dogs do bark and, and they're a little yappy. And we're working on it for sure. But it's not just that barking and that lunging thing. It's, it's you know, you'll have one that exhibits maybe more fear, more anxiety, more nervousness around things. Um, they can tend to have a little bit more aggression because people don't take their signals seriously because they're small. Mm-hmm. How bad can it hurt if you get bit by one? I mean, yeah, it hurts. It's it's the same. And, and then you're right. People that get small dogs, nobody ever calls us and says, hey, I just got a chihuahua puppy and I've got to train this dog because it's going to be small. But we'll get calls if I just got a rotty pup and I need to get some training because it's going to be big. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of mistakes that, that dog owners will make with small dogs. Um, and it starts as a puppy of um, picking them up too much. Um, that's a that's a big one. I made sure not to do that with Myers. I made sure to put that where he would give me permission. I would let him know what I was going to do, and then he would give me permission to do so. Now, yeah. now that he's aged, if I need to pick him up, I just let him know I'm doing it. Yeah. I have a reason. I'm upper management, so you just have to go with it. But um, I think they get picked up a lot, and so they're not having to face things from a um, you know lower area you know so then they can stand up over these big dogs or over these other dogs or over these people whatever the case may be so i think the picking up is a real big issue well they're also not able to practice their skills either their communication skills if they're being uh restrained or they're picked up yeah and so they're definitely not going to be learning um, a- appropriate communication, but that's also because a lot of people with small dogs don't do a lot of socialization because they're so small mm-hmm. and they're scared. Um, and I think we need to do a better job as a as like dog lovers or professionals to find ways and safe ways for small dogs to come together and socialize, right? right? Or socializing with a bigger dog who's really good with small dogs, right? Just to kind of learn those skills and um, and I think that that we can do it appropriately. Uh, it's just a matter of people having to put in a little bit more effort uh, than just say going to the local dog park. I wouldn't want to take my small little dog to the local dog park, even if they had a small dog section. Right. Uh, so you have to kind of be a little careful there, but, but I think that you're really, you hit the, the nail on the head with, they don't set their expectations because they are easier to pick up. You know, it's like, Okay, somebody's coming to the door. I have a golden retriever. I need him to learn how to greet guests. Right. All right. Uh, I have a five-pound dog. When people come over, I just pick him up. Mm-hmm. Right. So he never learns. And so it, I think it's 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 unfair to the dog to not set those expectations, um, regardless of the size. And to keep in mind that all dogs communicate the same, regardless if they're short or tall or, you know, just like humans. We're all human, but we all come in a variety of sizes. And mm-hmm. so uh, the communication there is the same. Uh, so we definitely need to make sure that we're giving them what they need. And if you do have a small dog who's exhibiting things like submissive urination, separation anxiety, nervousness, fearfulness, reactivity, um, help this dog out. Help your dog out. Don't just say, oh, well, yeah, he's reactive, but I can pick him up. 
because that dog is not feeling good inside emotionally, the welfare of the dog, uh, the dog's struggling. All right. So, uh, don't just be like, oh, well, you know, he's a, he's cute. He barks. Look, he's being so tough. He's going to eat you up, whatever. Um, just try to avoid those type things and realize that your small dog needs the same as, as your medium and large dog has. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I have been raising Myers differently than I did my Rottweilers. Mm-hmm. But it's not because of his size. It's because my thought process um, and ensuring what he needs um, has changed over time. So we do focus a lot on exposure, a lot on, um, you know, leash manners, because I do want to take him to a lot of places. We're working on his barking and his reactivity. I will say as much as my Roddy's were a protective um, dogs, they were very, they were very protective, but they were very controlled, and they would give you a warning before they barked. Yeah, and he just it just comes <laughs> out, and like I, I pee myself like three times a day. I know. It's ridiculous. It's pretty unexpected sometimes. Yeah, I mean it's he, he does it in the car when I'm driving, and I'm, and it just scares the pee out of me. Mm-hmm. So we're working on that, and that's new for me to have one that I live with. Um, but we are working on those things, and. Uh, and, you know, and another thing I find a lot of people struggle with small dogs is housebreaking. Uh, where oh, yeah, yeah. Because they don't like to walk in grass very much. Um, I am started taking Myers because he does not like the wet grass. Actually, he's not a fan of just walking in the he grass He doesn't want his feet wet in general. Um, I take him over to a spot that we have that's a little bit more bare, um, mm-hmm. so it doesn't have a lot of grass on it, and I'll take him over there. Or I'll pick him up, and I will carry him out into the yard. And drop him in the yard and and get a potty. But what I'm doing is rewarding him out there after potty, so that it's it's a little bit more worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he pooped a couple of times on our patio, and that's not acceptable for me. Um, and a lot of people would be like, "Oh, it's okay, it's small poop." Yeah, I I don't care how size what the size the poop is. <laughs> I want you pooping in, your- in the yard. Yeah, I want you peeing in the yard, right? And I think a lot of people. Don't get serious about housebreaking because it's so easy to clean up. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's just another thing I kind of see and in, in here with small dog syndrome. Yeah. I'm putting air quotes because I just think that not every dog is going to have that and they don't have to have it. It's it's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we're obviously going to get different things as they are growing. But as a mature adult, we shouldn't have any of those issues. They should be able to function in public and around other dogs and people and things just as well as a, a big dog that's been trained. Right. And yeah. speaking of little man, he just came in here with a squeaky toy. It's, it's every time we're doing something, like watching TV, like we're like having a something. conversation, yeah. he brings a toy in. He's like, this is my time to and shine. He, and he starts squeaking or Isabella decides that's the time she wants to play with him and she wants to play really loud. Uh-huh. As oh, quiet yeah. as she is typically. In the meeting of a in the middle of a finance meeting yesterday <laughs> or the day before. <laughs> I'm like, hey you guys, sorry. I need to put my dogs out of the room. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but shout out to Emily for uh this topic. Um she she sent us um a comment on face or uh Instagram about this. So Thanks, Emily. Yeah. So and, listening. And, yeah. So this this whole episode is going to be listener questions. So because we know that we can't 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 really fill up a whole episode with some of these. Uh, so I didn't want to 
you know, jip you guys and also didn't want to have to try to talk for 35, 45 minutes just to keep talking. Mm. So, uh, so I do think though that with small dog, again, it's just a matter of you just teach them and, and train them the same way you would any other size dog. I mean, really, um, you know, but make sure you do have a plan in place. Uh, I saw this one guy, he had actually, it was a really good idea. His small dog, he had not really owned a small dog, but he taught his dog that if another dog was approaching, if his small dog was uncomfortable, all she had to do was put her paws on his foot and he would pick her up immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that, right? So it's like, it's it's finding that balance to say, is it, should I pick my dog up in this situation because a big dog's coming, Safety, yeah. right? Or do I let this kind of work out? And, and I think that you have to find a balance there. Right. Uh, very important there. But I do I do think that we need to keep our small dogs safe um, and make sure that there's no big dog out there trying to see them as little prey or something like that. Um, obviously, we're going to we're going to treat them a little bit more delicately, mm-hmm. you know, just um, from an anatomical standpoint. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. Just about safety injuries. And yeah. 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 Other than that, you know, teach them how to act. Teach them how to squeak a toy right at the most convenient time. Yeah, for sure. There you go. There's my little man. Um, All right. So there you go. That's our little small dog syndrome. Thanks for sending that in. What's our next one? Um, Oh, which one should we go to here? Oh, this one. This one uh, we've been holding on to for a while. This is from Shelly. Just sort of talking about enrichment in general based on, well, actually not just in general, but based on breeds. Um, do genetics play a part in sort of, um, the enrichment that you choose? And we've, I think we've touched on this a little bit about, you know, different dogs enjoy doing different, um, types of, you know, play or puzzles or, or whatever it may be, um, based on breed, but. Do you have more to Yeah, so, I mean, I think for me, when you're looking at the breed groups and all their genetics and and what they have, I think that one thing you can count on across the board is any type of nose work, right? Because uh, every dog is going to use their nose, even your sight hounds, right? So I think any type of nose work. So for me, something like the snuffle mat, um, putting treats in the bottom of a box, making them sniff out, going under cups and... You know, or hiding them under cups or doing the puzzle toys, like the wooden puzzle toys mm-hmm. or things of that nature. Uh, so I think across the board, um, that is really good. And then I like almost, you know, with every breed as well, doing something like a licky mat, a frozen stuff topple, mainly because it's nice and, you know, it's calming for them. Right. But I do think that there are some special things that you can do based on your dog's genetics. Because I know that sometimes I don't, I'm not very creative when it comes to that, which is why I love those Facebook pages where you have people who've just come up with things for enrichment. (laughs) They have Uh, such good ideas. They really do. And I'm so glad they do. But let's say we're, if we're going to break down kind of the breed groups, uh, you know, a toy dog, since we were just talking small dogs, uh, syndrome um, and small dogs uh, with toy dogs. I think that anything, if you're doing something like uh, uh, nose work, you could do a little hunting game with nose work. You can do a snuffle mat. You can do uh, high treats under a cu- um, in under cups and make them sniff out which cup. 
small like boxes or we bought a bunch of those little plastic balls mm-hmm. for a little ball pit. Yeah. Uh, so you can throw um, balls into a small little baby pool and throw the food under that. Um, that's a really good fun game for toy dogs. And of course, a lot of toy dogs do like tearing things up. So you could teach them how to pull apart a toy in order to get treats. You know, they, they have those toys that have the little toys that go in them, that mm-hmm. go inside of that. Uh, so I think those are easily um, easy to do with your toy dog. Uh, if we're talking talking like terriers, for me, I'm look, I'm thinking anything dick pit. I'm thinking anything hunting, mm-hmm. um, uh, seek and destroy, which is my go hunt game to where the dogs can destroy the toy to get to the food. Um, I, I think that that's one of the things that uh, you could really do uh, with some terriers. The flirt pole where they have to chase the flirt pole. Uh, those are a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, when I was thinking about the small dogs, I think the reason why their uh, arousal level is so high is because a lot of your smaller dogs tend to be terriers. And they were meant to uh, basically see the prey and react immediately in one bite, one yeah. bite kill. I mean, that was kind of the, the thing yeah. for them. So I think that's why you get in a lot of these dogs that that have a high level of arousal and go so quickly because they were bred to go quickly. You know, so if you had like a Jack Russell working in a field to get rid of mice, uh, they were basically, they'd see one, pounce on it, bite it, kill it, move on to the next one, move on to the next one, move on to the next one. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they could kill hundreds. Also, if they're digging your yard up. Yes. That, that. Right. So a good dick could pit. Could be part of it. Yeah. A, a child sandbox. Baby pool with sand in it. Um, a specific area in your yard for digging. Right, so I think those are really fun things uh, with that. When you're looking at something like herding dogs, I think that's where a lot of people are challenged because they're like, well, I don't have anything for my dog to herd. You could put some balls out in the backyard, let them herd the balls. Nose work is great. If you want to go outside of like in um, kind of food type enrichment, you could do agility. You could do hiking. Um, just know that, that even just like a... a a sniffy walk can be enrichment, mm-hmm. right? So it's not always just sitting down and having something, you know, to, to stick your nose into to get food out of. Um, they're also good with flirt poles because you could teach them to kind of herd that. And um, I would even do like a remote control car. Have your dog chase that. Yeah. You know, um, I've had a little remote control car and I put uh, little uh, toy legs on the back of it that look, look like little rabbit legs or something came off of a stuffed toy and you know teach them to chase that so there are some things that you can do with that you know, your gun dogs which are your labs your gun retrievers your doodles those dogs are typically nose work nose work nose work any type of hunting game is good for them so uh, you know go hunt and teaching them to go hunt um, they are also really good with um, just, you know, hiking and being outside because that's something that they really enjoy. Um, so I'm probably going to be doing snuffle mat or something that they have to sniff, scatter feeding, something that where they have to really use that nose at every meal. Right. Uh, so they, the, the gun dogs and the scent hounds, I'm really going to focus on that nose work um, and really focus on um, uh, almost kind of, giving them the opportunity to not just seek out one thing, but, you know, follow a trail, you know, teach them how to follow a trail to find someone. Um, Maybe it's, you know, find you or find 
uh, you know, your spouse or your child or or something. But outdoor areas for scent hounds, any type of, of nose work out there would be really good. Uh, let's see. And then if you've got, say, um, your, your guardians, your Great Pyrenees, those are a little bit, you know, if we look at what they were bred to do, it's like, how do you make, you know, how do you match that unless you have a farm? Right. right? Or you live in the wilderness or the woods. Um, I think that one of the things I would do is if, let's say I had a smaller area for a guardian, I would teach him how to go patrol. Mm-hmm. I would send him out in the yard specifically to tell him patrol, to have him patrol the yard, um, which is just maybe go along the fence line. Yeah. And that is something that could be very enriching where they feel like you are sending them to do a job. In the first episode, like podcast I ever heard, Kim Brophy, she talked about that. Letting oh. letting your great Pyrenees um, or guardian do that. Yeah. Just, you know, sort of make it their job in the morning, especially if you know, like, no one's out. Um, if they tend to be, you know, reactive or, or responsive to neighbors or other dogs, take them out, teach them to patrol. Like, hey, good job. You, yep. you kept us safe. You kept us safe. You it's did, all, it's you amazing. You did your job. Um, and she talked about how important that was just to you know, actually let them do that. Yeah, I mean, we do. We have, and, and again, it's when we take these working dogs and we make them into pets, we can't just expect them to not do what their working genes are telling them to do. So we have to find a way to meet that. Um, And I think that's one of those that are really good. And really just any type of um, outdoor time. Most uh, guardians want to be outside. Yeah. Right? So um, giving them... Uh, I would do more maybe quiet times. I wouldn't send them out there when the school bus is coming home. Right. right. You know. Yeah. But your neighbors would uh, they, appreciate that. Yeah, they probably wouldn't appreciate that. So we have to be that. we have to be respectful of the neighbors for that. Um and then I I think the last I would talk about are the bulldogs because <laughs> they may be one of the most challenging for um for people. I would say to meet or feel like they're giving the dog enough enrichment because these are very highly aroused dogs. They have a lot of energy. They love to tug. They love to use that mouth and grip. Um, so I would say a couple of things I would do with them is there's this really cool toy that is, it's a stick that goes into your yard and it has a tug on it. Um, and it's actually called the tether tug outdoor dog toy. And uh, it's a great one for dogs like a bulldog who likes to grip Mm-hmm. And um, and then they can tug, and that way your arm is not getting pulled out of the socket. <laughs> um, I know that some dogs, bulldogs, would really enjoy something like tetherball. Now, some of y'all young people, I don't even know if tetherball is still around. It is. I love tetherball. It's still a thing. I was good at tetherball. Really? Um, I really was. You're very athletic, um, Well, you just have to learn to dodge. If you miss it, you just got to just got to make sure your head's not in the way. I don't know that my coordination's that good. Yeah, you definitely have to. I'd be concussed. hand-eye coordination is important with tetherball. I'd be concussed, right? That's thank God. Well, we don't have one, and I don't want to. I'm never going to ask you to play. Um, and then there's another one that actually hangs from a, like a tree. It's called the Turbo, or no, the Tumbo Outdoor Tugger Hanging Bungee Powered Interactive toy what i'm hearing is we should put the link to that in the show notes because what the hell did you just say try that again okay 
Tumbo Outdoor Tugger Hanging Bungee Powered Interactive Toy. There you go. Good job. And that just hangs. And, and they have them actually for all sizes. They have them for small dogs. And it's just a bungee that hangs so a dog can sit there and pull and tug on it. Technically, you could probably make one. You probably could. I mean, not to take away from this company. No, no. I'm sure they're great. But you probably absolutely could. I mean, and that's the thing. It's just kind of getting creative and looking around at things. And, and of course, knowing what your dogs, what the, what genetics does your dog have will help you to, to kind of find out what are some of the enrichment games that my dog might enjoy. Now, here's another thing. Your dog could enjoy a bungee tug rope and be a papillon, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's... Don't just assume that your breed, if it's not big on tugging, is not going to enjoy something like this. And and maybe not every bulldog is going to enjoy this, right? So it's like every lab doesn't enjoy swimming, mm-hmm. right? And it's weird, but it's there. Right. So that's just the thing with the, the enrichment. You just want to make sure you're kind of thinking about your dog and then play around with it. Don't overthink it. Yeah. But do give it every day. And uh, the Facebook groups are great. Um, those are really awesome for ideas. I mean, you can use things you have laying around your house. Absolutely. Water bottles and, and things like that that you can convert. Um, and if you have multiple dogs, please give them their own enrichment. Oh, yeah. I have seen some videos of like two or three dogs trying to do enrichment together. And it seems uh, like one is doing all the work. And and the others are reaping the benefits. Yeah, and that's not fair. I've, yeah, I've seen that, especially with the... Um, like rolling the food up in a towel. Yes. Where one dog gets it. They're like, oh, this is... And the yeah. others are just behind we're, it. Yep. Like just, little vacuum cleaners. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right after dogs pushing the tricky treat ball. And the they're just walking eat. around just yeah. eating what, you, what they knock out. Yeah. 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 So that's what I would say with that. Yeah. Does she have any other yeah, questions with um, that? And then uh, she also asked... Um, how do you how do you keep them engaged um, if they start getting like getting through the enrichment? Say it's a puzzle, they start doing it very quickly, and it's like they've mastered it. Um, what do you do about that? And um, I actually saw something about this not long ago on Instagram. Um, it doesn't matter how easy it is for them; it's still enrichment. Yep. They're still having to work their brain. They're still getting that um, sort of decompression. It's fun for them. Yeah, absolutely. You can make it harder, you know, get a harder puzzle. Um, but just because it's easy for them doesn't necessarily mean it's not enriching. Correct. So, you know, yeah, think, think, you of, that. Think, of, um, think of some activity you love, like a hobby that comes very naturally to you and is easy for you. Just because it's easy doesn't mean it's less enriching in your life. Exactly. You I know, mean, so. there are some times whenever I want to, like, play a game or put a puzzle together. I'm going with an easy puzzle mm-hmm. um, because it won't take me as long, but it's still, it's it's what I was needing in that moment. So don't think that you have to make things harder. I think that your dog might appreciate having some challenges, but also don't worry about it if they get through things quickly because it is about quality. Yep. Or not quantity. So yeah. it's like people think that when they would take their dog out for like a sniffy walk, well, we got to do it for 30 minutes. No, you can do a five-minute sniffy walk. You know, you can go do flirt pole for five minutes. Yeah. I'd rather you do a flirt pole for five minutes than go try to walk the dog for 45 minutes, making it walk, 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 walk. Right? So just, uh, you know, think about your dog and, and see where they are and see what, it, you know, 
communicate with your dog about it. Try some different things and your dog will tell you what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy, if this was truly enriching or not. So I hope that answers all your questions, Shelly. Yep. Thank you for sending that in. Yeah. All right. What else we have here? All right. So uh, the we next one. We have a few one, more minutes. We'll and I take think a couple this is, more here. Yeah, this is or the at least la- one more. This is the last one because um, we do have we do have a listener question that's going to be an entire episode. Really? Uh, which is at the bottom here. So, Excellent. Um, Karina, we have not forgotten about you. We are going to get to your question about fear um, because we've also had some other similar questions come in. Okay. So it's going to be an entire episode. Excellent. Um, not something that we can answer quickly all right (laughs) so and i don't even know that this next one um we can answer quickly but i think we can touch on it um and i think it is something we can probably wrap up in another episode or um you know whether it's the fear episode or um some sort of reactivity um so this is from tiana um and so and and we've had this question from several people as well um in this same sort of category um basically it's about interaction between her dog and neighbor dogs um what do you do so she had a dog who was very good at the fence didn't react to the three neighbor dogs used calming signals you know that sort of thing so there was there was no issue her new dog on the other hand um is is very uncomfortable with um the dogs next door so they have three german shepherds who are um, coming at the fence immediately and reacting to her dog um even though her dog is giving all the calming signals that sort of thing so we've also had questions about how to handle neighbor dogs in general especially when there's a fence involved um how do you approach that one how do you keep your dog safe how do you keep them from losing their minds when you've got dogs next door um and then you know do you broach this subject with your neighbors like what do you what do you do it's yeah. tricky yeah i think i think talking to your neighbors is going to be first and foremost you, know, you really need to kind of find out with your neighbors how you know what is the motivation behind their dogs doing it and if your dog is uh, and really, depending on if your dog's being playful, if your dog is uncomfortable, if your dog's being protective and just reactive back and matching that energy, I would possibly talk to the neighbors and see if if their their dogs one at a time can meet mm-hmm. your dog on neutral ground. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not going to really stop the barking at the fence because we all know this barrier issue of this safety of having this barrier here and then if you have multiple dogs on one side they're going to feed off each other but i think that it would you know if we know that they like each other outside the fence and then they're just doing it behind the fence then we know that emotionally the dog may just be enjoying it but if we're not seeing there's a lot of positivity between the interaction of the neighbor dog and your dog then i would say all right i need to control this to where I'm going to talk to my neighbor. Maybe we schedule a little bit more of when the dogs are out or I put up another fence beside my fence so that my dog cannot get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even have a fence there so that if you know they're coming out or out, you just use the other half of the yard, right? Maybe have a center um, movable gate type style. It's the the wired playpen type that you can use. Oh. Uh, it's just a barrier. And 
you can use that. And I think COVID brain truly is. It's it there. Is a it's thing. I'm telling you, y'all, sorry about that. It is a thing. But I think you know what I'm talking about. You take a playpen, it's wired, and you stretch it across, and you just don't let the dog go over there. Right. So, but then also make sure you can call your dog away from that. Uh, and have a good recall or have a good that's enough interrupter. You need to have something. But I, I think that it's hard to do much of anything if you don't talk with your neighbor about what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And if their dogs are, you know, being aggressive at that fence and it's getting really riled up, then I would just put an extra f- layer of fencing uh, a couple of feet from that fence so that my dog doesn't have to approach it. Yeah. Um, even though they might want to, we ha- we have to kind of control that and know that we have the better decision-making ability. So we may have to just kind of prevent them from that. And um, I know a lot of people, you know, can't afford a fence or they're renting, so they can't put one up. Um, there are some great ones online that are like artificial um, plants that you stretch out. And it, you just put it along the fence. Oh, that's great. Um, and so then you basically can can make a like a chain link fence into a privacy fence. Um, oh yeah, and it looks like you've got You're right because I'm sitting here thinking immediately. I'm thinking just a privacy fence and right. not chain link. Mm-hmm. But you're right. We need something that yeah. So you can kind of stretch it. Does it stretch just on the outside of the fence? Fa- it just hooks to the. Yeah, you just hook it to your fence. fence. It stretches it's just out. a barrier. Yeah. So they can't see. It, yeah, it helps at least with the sight issue. But it's um, Especially because, um, like, her dog, for instance, is seems that they would want, like, wants to play with them. And is sort of doing the, you know, play initiation. However, the other dogs are probably not super friendly. They're not necessarily wanting to play. Um, and whether that's because of they're not dog friendly or it's because just the barrier in general um, that's causing them to react is sort of unknown. But anyway, that I I think those things are um, those little privacy. They're like, and they're, they're pretty. I mean, they're like, like you can make plants. It's like a plant wall. Yeah. Like a plant wall. Put some like twinkly lights on there. Oh yeah. It'd be cute. Yeah. It'd be really cute. Yeah. And and again, just, if you need landscaping tips, like just call me. (laughs) I think that just, again, finding a way to prevent them from going up to the fence if it's a real issue. Nobody says that you, you can't, that you, you have to stop that. I think there's enough, there's things out there that you can you can prevent your dog, even if it's a tie-out, to where if they're out, if the neighbor's dogs are out, you just put your dog on a big tie-out where they can't reach that fence. And then when the dogs are not out, then they're free to run the yard. Does that- Management's going to be a part tie out though cause more barrier aggression or barrier issues i think you're gonna get some frustration but what i would do yeah what i would do is i would just make sure i put it as far away from that side of the fence as possible okay i mean that's it's really i'd prefer you find another way to do a barrier Uh, that is not necessarily preventing the dog from moving forward but it's just not as it just seems like the barking would be farther away for the dog. So they don't feel that need to kind of a, approach right mm-hmm. on top of it. But mm-hmm. um, that's a tough one because, I mean, you really do. You have to – it's a lot of management with that. Yeah, it is. And, you know, especially like – because we've had people email us and they have pretty nasty neighbors. You know, neighbors that they do not – they can't have a conversation with. It, you, they can't have a civil conversation with them about their dogs yeah. being an issue. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, what do you do? short of moving 
you know, to just sort of protect yeah. your dog. Uh, at and- that point, I might even just put a, yeah, I'm putting an, another temporary fence inside my fence to prevent my dog from even approaching yeah. that side of the fence. Yeah. So uh, that's what I would at that point, I think it's that. just keeping your dog safe. That's, that's absolutely uh, what you Especially have to Especially if it is on. a chain link and they can get teeth in there mm-hmm. or through. We don't, we don't want to see any of that. Yeah. So, well, that's awesome. Y'all, thank you for the, uh, for the questions. That was good. Yeah. And um, we really appreciate that. And I think with that one, we can uh, we can probably circle back on that one in another episode and and really give some give some more some actual products and things like that that you can use. Oh yeah, so you're going to do some research. I'm going to do on research that. on awesome uh, some actual barriers that you can use that are inexpensive because that's the thing that's that's such a huge thing when the only thing separating your yard from your neighbor's yard is a piece of chain link, right? And there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Either it's an HOA thing or right. you're renting or whatever the case may be. Just, you know, funds in general. Fences are expensive, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So I think uh, I'm going to look into that and, and on another episode. Sweet. We'll, we'll do, do that with We'll our do next another products episode. Products episode. <laughs> if you have a product that you would like us to yeah, look at. Yeah, but thanks, Tiana. I know that was um, sort of broad, um, but... Yeah, I, th- I think that there's just not that much. I mean, it's it's different when you're. I can go into someone's home and I can look at the yard and I can and I can see things and and find maybe some things to modify. But to to just generalize it, I'm I'm probably going to look difficult. for another barrier. Yeah, to put so the dog can't even approach the fence. And I think the you know recall is important and the that's enough is important. If you're especially if your dog is the instigator, you know you know your dog is. I would say if your dog's the instigator, I would definitely put up a second barrier because that's not fair for your neighbor's dogs. Right. Right, so so you have it on both sides, and I don't there. think that that's not what she's saying. No, I don't but, think so. You know, in some cases, right, right, your dog probably is the instigator. Yeah, you know. So there you go. I know my dog would be. All right. Well, thank you guys for that. We appreciate you reaching out to us. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed the uh, went to shit episode with Steve and Heather. We had a lot of fun. Britt was in bed with COVID. And so they they were generous enough to come on and I did and hear just you chat. guys and on the other side of the house though. I was cackling. I'm sure. Are we cackling? Yeah. Okay. It's because yep. we are we're a trio, man. Um, and I'm sure they will they will be back on at another time. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but keep uh, keep reaching out to us. We love to hear from you. We love to hear uh, your thoughts on the podcast, thoughts on episodes, listener questions is absolutely fine. Love that. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. Brett puts a lot of information there. We are still on Facebook. We are still using Facebook. Um, probably Instagram more, but, um, we're, we're gonna, you know, we're putting all the information out there. We'd love to see you guys to the reactive dog workshop. Don't forget our communication seminar still is on our website. And, uh, and if you've not gotten any merchandise of dog speak, go to our website. We have merch. We have merch, man. I always, I even forget we have, we forget we have merch. (laughs) We have merch, right? We have, we have cool merch. All right, so just uh, go, represent, be a dog speak geek, be proud to be a dog speak geek. Uh, Brett, I'm glad to have you back out of the bed. I'm, yeah. I apologize to everybody, but I know my energy's low. I'm, I'm getting there. You're getting there. I'm getting there though. You're getting there. (laughs) Um, We're back, and uh, we'll be, we'll get back on track here. Uh, This was the last 
few weeks have been kind of rough up in this house <laughs> um, with the with the COVID, but uh, we're good and we love you guys. And again, also if you want to reach out, we do offer Zoom consults. Uh, we're working with several of our listeners, so hi to our listeners that have reached out to us and have done uh, Zoom consults. And so with us, we appreciate you. And um, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. And we look forward to uh, the episodes coming out next week that we have no idea what it's going to be about yet. I think adolescence. Ooh, I really want yeah. to do the adolescent episode. We need- and that is not the adolescent you hear there. So we're going to, with Gremlins. that little noise, we're just going <laughs> to sign out.